thank you for joining us for this podcast from Abundant Life. We pray that you will be blessed and encouraged by this word. Now, here's Pastor Scott. I'm going to be preaching out of Ephesians chapter 3. And I believe if you can get the heart of the message that I am going to talk about today, that everything else in your life will fall into place. I believe if you can lay hold of the truth that is contained in these few verses, that God can change everything about your life. And listen, make life easier for you. I wish you were hearing me. If I had a magic pill that was guaranteed by some pharmacy company running some random ad on television and some doctor in a white coat was telling you to take it and it said, if you do this, you'll be happier, you'll enjoy life more, and you'll be a blessing to everyone around you. People would line up and they'd take that pill. People would take extra pills of that. I don't have a pill to offer you, but I do have the truth of God's word today. And God's word can do more for you than a pill. That's five people. All right, we're going to get 60, 70 of y'all before it's over. Listen to what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 3 in verse 14. When I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with the inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. I want to speak to you this morning from a sermon titled, God Wants to Do Something on the Inside of Us. If you don't get anything else, get get this concept. God wants to do something on the inside of you. Say me. Pray with me. God, thank you for this time. Thank you for each person, Lord, who has pressed their way here today. Father, I pray for... This time, Lord, that you would anoint me to say things that would honor you. God, I pray that you'd teach us by your spirit. Reveal yourself to your children is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. God wants to do something on the inside of us. We live in an externally focused world. We live in a world that cares about what the outside looks like. We live in a world that values looks we live in a world that values materialism we live in a world that values what you wear what you drive how you live but always remember the bible says that even though people look on the outside god looks on the heart i hope you have a pretty heart i hope especially some of y'all i'm looking to some of y'all listen if the outside's rough be good on the inside amen it's just a little joke you're like i know he's talking about me he was looking at, right, right at me when he said it. The Bible says laughter does the heart good like a medicine. I want you to relax. I want you to get comfortable for a few moments and prepare your heart to receive what God has for you to understand this morning. People look on the outside. God looks on the inside. We are so focused because of what we've been taught by society to worry about what we look like on the outside but it's way more important what's going on on the inside of you. See, if you get religion, religion, churchiness, 
might help you make some changes on the outside. But if you fall in love with Jesus, he will begin to change you on the inside, and that will manifest on the outside. Change from the outside trying to get in doesn't work. Change from the inside getting out. That's what real Christianity is, and we're going to look at some of that this morning because I believe God wants to do something on the inside of us. This passage is about the Holy Spirit and his miracle-working power and that he can do something inside you, power that God wants to give us so we can understand the love of Christ. The greatest miracle of all, I've told you before, is salvation. So many times people want to see arms grow back, legs grow back, sight to the blind. All that stuff is good. I believe God can still heal the blind. I believe God can still raise the dead. But I believe the greatest miracle of all is when God reveals himself to a man, woman, boy, or girl and gives them an awareness of their need for salvation and they're supernaturally born again. Because you'd be better off going to heaven with one leg than going to hell with two legs. Amen? Let's agree on something this morning. The, the Bible says that God must reveal himself to us. We can't get this for ourselves. This has to come from God, and we'll see that more clearly as we go. The goal of this passage, the goal of this sermon, and the goal of our lives should be to be all that God wants us to be, to be filled with this fullness that God talks about so that we can have this abundant life that God talks about, so we can have this joy that God talks about. Because as I look at church folk, church folk aren't always filled with joy. Church people aren't always filled with happiness. Church people don't always have. We can say the parts of the verses that we want to focus on. Oh, I have a peace that passes all understanding. I'm, a, I'm abounding with joy. I'm blessed uh, and highly favored. I'm always above and never beneath. But if you're busted, disgusted, can't be trusted, if you are so sad and depressed and lonely and insecure, if you're so hurting on the inside that it is messing up everything around you on the outside, then you're not getting it. Don't feel alone. Most people aren't getting it. Most people are faking it because they have been told wrongly that they need to fake it till they make it. You can't make this thing happen. This must come from God. You can't make this happen. This has to come through the miraculous power of God's Spirit. And I told you that the world's so focused on the outside that we as Christians oftentimes are called to move in the opposite spirit. And I want you to think about for the rest of your life moving in the opposite spirit. Because if somebody cusses you out, the first natural tendency is to do what back? Punch, punch them, somebody said. <laughs> Cuss them back. They flip you off, you flip them off. They, they, they you know, you, you, and you know, you can throw Bible at it. An eye for an eye. You reap what you sow. You mess with the bull, you get the horn. Some of that's not in the Bible. Some of it is. But the Bible says if they slap you, turn the other cheek. See, that's not natural. That's supernatural. We, we need to move in the opposite spirit. God, God has changed us if we're saved. This is what the Bible teaches. And while the rest of the world is focusing on the outside, we need to learn how to focus on the inside. Now, I'm not saying just let the outside go. Amen. Tell you get over 50. Listen, I'll be 53 next week. I've made peace with my fat. 
They were talking about the diet plans and no carbs and all these other things. Listen, I've made peace with me. Uh, I've, I've, I've lived enough life. It, 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 it is what it is, is, okay? I'm not saying let it all go, especially if you're not in, in, you know, in your golden years yet. Uh, but, you know, at, I tell people all the time, I don't care what you wear to church. You don't have to dress up to come to church, but get dressed, amen? Just don't come nude. Hallelujah. I mean, you don't have to focus totally on the outside, but you got to do a little something every now and then. It's like the one preacher said. They said, Pastor, is it a sin for women to wear makeup? One preacher said, I believe it's a sin for most women not to wear makeup. You know who I'm talking. I look good without makeup. Well, to, to you, your mama and Jesus, you sure do. But, I mean, uh, even an old barn looked good with a fresh coat of paint on it. So, you know, do a little something on the outside, but the primary focus needs to be where? On the inside. For our insides to change, though, we need God to do that. I can't reach in on the inside of me and change me. You can't reach in on the inside of you and change you. And you can't reach on the inside of the people that you care about and change them. I've told you for years, that's the number one aha moment that psychologists talk about people getting an aha moment. A deep revelation when the light bulb comes on and you realize you can't change other people. You have to take responsibility for yourself. Well, a deeper revelation is there are things that you can't even do to change yourself. I told you, if people could do all the things that they want to see done in their life, there would be no need for God. If you could stop doing all the things that are messing you up, you would have already done it. You wouldn't need God to do it. But I believe, and I want you to believe with me, that God can do miracles. Listen, God can make some of you mean folk nice. Yay! God can make some of you stingy folk generous. Yay! I don't know what he can do for us chubby, cute folk, but he, I mean, he can keep us chubby and cute and get us to heaven when we die. But... God is able to do his work. But there's a certain amount of getting out of the way we need to do. And I want us to look at the word today and find out how we can get this miracle working power from God's spirit to where we put more focus on the inside. Because if we, if we look at this passage that I read in our opening text, God is clearly dealing with the inner man. What, what we're like on the outside. Too many times... We treat symptoms and not problems. Think about it. If you have a little sniffle, if you have a little cough, you reach for the NyQuil. You reach for the Mucinex. You reach for whatever you have in your closet that you think is going. Listen, that's not treating the problem. That's treating the symptom, especially if you reach for some NyQuil PM. You know what that is, right? Straight liquor. You know, what? wine is, you know, 5 to 7, 8, 9% alcohol by volume. NyQuil, 24% by volume. You're chugging rot gut liquor. And you're like, yeah, but it helps me sleep. I guess so. <laughs> you know, but it's not fixing what's wrong with you. And I, it might not be what people are like, I'm going to go, is that 24%? Listen, stay with the message. That's treating the symptom. If you want to stop getting catching every cold that comes by, get better sleep. Fix your diet. Stop, stop uh, you know, passing by the greens and grab some greens. There's, there's treating symptoms, and then there's treating the problems. And too many times, church treats the 
problem or the symptoms and not the problems. And we've got to look deeper, say deeper. As a pastor, it's easy for me to do the same thing, to focus on the, the issues and not the problems, to, to, to wonder, why don't people serve more? Why don't people give more? Why don't people love each other better? Why don't people read their Bible more? Why don't they share their faith? Why, why are they still drinking and drugging? Why are they still looking at pornography? All these are external issues when really they just reveal something bigger going on on the inside, say bigger. We got to deal with the big stuff. But that's the hard stuff. It's easy to clean up the big things on the outside. It was easy for me to stop drinking and stop doing drugs. Uh, attitudes, though, stuff going on in my head, stuff going on in my heart, those are the bigger things that, that, that take miracle power for God to change because they're all symptoms of a heart issue. And, and, and the issue that we need to deal with is whether or not we understand how much God loves us. That's the issue. Do you understand that God loves you? And do you understand how much he loves you? Because the Bible says that it's the goodness of the Lord that causes us to repent. Now, repentance is having a change of mind that results in a change of direction. It's going one way, being presented with some facts and deciding, I don't want to go that way anymore. I want to go a different way. And the Bible says that it's God's goodness that causes that. Well, some people don't repent, and it's not because they haven't been preached to death. They have. It's not because they haven't been Bible beat to death. They have. It's because they haven't realized how great God's love for them is. Because when you're in the presence of someone who loves you so much, everything about you changes. Now, some people, I don't take for granted that all grandparents are nice, okay? Now, I do believe what Bill Cosby said in one of his routines. He was talking about his parents being nice to his kids and wondering, who are these people? You know, they didn't treat me this way. And then he said, I realized they're old. They're about to die. They're trying to get into heaven. They're, you know, they're trying to add up some points so God will let them in. Not all grandparents are nice, but if you had a good grandmother, you know, a good holy grandmother, church-going grandmother, Sit on the front row, wear white gloves. I mean, if you had a good, decent, godly, upright grandmother, you probably didn't blow your weed smoke in her face. Right? You probably didn't cuss at her table. You probably didn't put your feet up on her dishes. I mean, it, the, when you were around your grandma, sweet, loving grandmother that loved you and cared for you, sheltered you from mama when mama should have been beating you, and she said, come here, baby. And you loved grandmama. It changed the way you act when you're in her presence. Not because you think she can catch you. She can't barely get out of the chair. Not for fear of what she would do to you, but out of the love and the respect that you have for her because you believe she loves you that way. When you're around somebody that you know loves you more than they love anything else, it changes the way you act. And if we could learn how much God loves us, then it would change things about us. It would change the way we act. It would change the way preachers preach all across the country. Because here's what the reality is. If you ask on survey in this neighborhood and any neighborhood in America, what is the number one thing preachers talk about from the pulpit? 
there would be one answer that would be the overwhelming answer on surveys in every community from rich communities to poor communities. You know what it is? Money. You know what's the least preached about thing in most evangelical churches? Money. Dave Ramsey says money's not talked about enough because pastors are scared of being accused of only preaching about money. That's why all my sermons are available uh, free online. You can go and check. Listen, listen to sermons. See if I preach more about holiness or more about money. Listen to sermons. See if I preach more about heaven or hell than I preach about money. Listen to sermons. See if I preach more about loving God and loving people than I preach about money. Pastors don't typically preach a lot about money. People get that stuck in their mind. Pastors don't typically preach about people smoking cigarettes and drinking and doing drugs. That's not normally the focus of every message. That's what people think it is because they come in insecure with their emotions on their sleeves. But the reality is if pastors could narrow their focus, including me, and preach to the point where we understood how much God loves us and we understood how much God was willing to allow us to love him, more money would come in. Because what comes in in the offering is not really an indication of how much money is in the congregation. It's an indication of how willing people are to give. Okay, let me keep moving. So you just say money, people get stiff. <laughs> you One day, if you start giving, you realize God promised he'd open heaven up over you and he would bless you if you'd give. But so much of life is, is, is just symptoms. So many problems that we have are just symptoms of a deeper issue, an issue of not understanding how much love we have in Christ. The psalmist said not to forget all God's benefits. People come to the church and, and they fall in love with God and they float on cloud nine for a minute. And then they start serving, they start getting around critical negative people, they, they start realizing that these people in church aren't any better than the people I work with, and all people have issues, and then they start getting bitter in their own life, and then they start backing up, and then they start forgetting how great God is. Don't forget how great God is. The reason why so many people tell me, Pastor Scott, I wish I could get back to where I was when I first got saved. I was so in love with God. It's because you had a, an awareness, a right now awareness that he saved you when he didn't have to. That he loved you more than you loved yourself. But by and by, life happens and we forget that and we start piling on all this other junk. We start piling on religious activity and we start operating outside of how great God's love for us is. And we start forgetting all his benefits. Paul prayed in this passage for a miracle to happen. He prayed for the Holy Spirit to do a divine work in the life of the people that he was praying for. And here's what the miracle he wanted to see happen. He wanted them to understand that God loved them. Now, if I ask you, do you believe God loves you? Everybody with a brain would say yes. But if I got you off by yourself. And I started talking to you about your issues. And you opened up. If I got you to really start talking about your concerns and your insecurities. If, if you really started opening up about the things that bother you. And then I, then I asked, now with all that going on, do, do, you, do you really live in a moment by moment awareness that God loves me? You would begin to realize, I guess I'm looking at other things. 
I guess I'm focusing on other things. And then you can use the excuse, well, I got a life that I have to live. Listen, life is better lived with the awareness that God loves you than with the awareness of all your problems. That's why we throw so many cliches. That's why there's so many books written out there. We say that we believe that our God is bigger than our problems, but the look on our face makes it look like our problems is bigger than our God. And we've got to always remember the truth about what the Bible says. Paul is praying for these people that he's pastoring that God would, would empower them to understand how much God loves them. When Dr. Lindsay was pastoring the First Baptist Church downtown Jacksonville, they used to have a January pastor's conference and bring in great leaders, big-time dudes, mega church preachers, perfect orators, all of them look the same, six foot one, skinny as a rail, 170 pounds, suit hanging off them. They all talked the same, sounded the same, but they were famous, great orators, and they would teach all week long about, uh, it, they called everybody in the room boys, preacher boys, because we didn't have mega churches like they did, so they were men, we were boys, whole different concept. But anyway, let me keep moving. And they would tell all their great ideas about church and what we as pastors should be doing to grow churches. And I've shared this with you before, but it was so impacting to me as a young pastor 25, 30 years ago. Dr. Lindsay got up, and these were the most famous names in their denomination. They had preached their guts out five hours a day, five days in a row. And Dr. Lindsay got up and he said, You've heard a lot of great preaching here this week, boys, but it's too much information to receive, and I'm going to make it easier for you to know what to do when you go back to your churches. You go back to your churches, and you teach your people how to love Jesus, and everything else will fall into place. And that's the truth. If we would learn to love Jesus and believe that he loves us back, everything else would fall into place. Outreach would fall into place. Inreach would fall into place. Finances would fall into place. Marriages would fall into place. We got all these books written about understanding his needs, her needs, five love languages, temperaments, dispersonality profile. Listen, all that stuff is okay, but if you're loving God and the people in your house are loving God, you're going to have a unity in your house that all them books can't buy you. So we need to learn that God loves us, and we need to learn how to love him back. This is the miracle that Paul is praying for in our text. Let's look in our text, Ephesians 3.14. Paul said, when I think of all this, comma, you've got to learn to read the Bible pausing on punctuation. You've got to look at the punctuation, and when it gives you cause to pause, you've got to stop and think. He said, when I think of all this, all what? Anybody know? Everything he said in verses 1 through 13. When I think of everything that I'm talking about, that God has a plan, that he loves Jews and Gentiles, that I'm a part of working in God's plan, when I think of all these things that I'm talking to y'all about, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, comma. So instead of just rushing off to verse 15, because most people when they read the Bible, they just go verse to verse to verse, so I can say I read the whole chapter. Feel good about yourself. If you didn't understand any of it, you haven't accomplished anything except been religious. He said, I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father. Now, if we had time today and enough honesty in the room, and I went around the whole room, and I started with Seth, and I worked all the way back to Amber, and I said, how much time this week 
did you spend on your knees praying to the Father? When I got to you, how you feeling? Could we have done better? See, that's the easy out right there. We could have all done better. Let's agree on that. Anybody believe somebody forgot to pray this week? Anybody believe that somebody forgot at least one day this week to spend time on their knees praying? Uh-huh. This, this, this is the problem. If you want what others have, you got to do what they did to get it. Paul had joy. Paul had peace. Paul had Holy Ghost miracle working power. Paul had closeness with God. Paul had anointing on his life. He had purpose and destiny. Paul, Paul had his eyes firmly set on God. God used him to write about half of the New Testament. This man had it going on like butter and cheese. Why? If you want what he did, had, you got to do what he did. What did he do? He got on his knees and he prayed. He got on his knees and he prayed. Now, I've told you before, I've been dealing with a back injury for over four years, a back surgery, a re-injury after a back surgery. Um, you know, some, sometimes you just got to do what you got to do. I had a 95-pound a, a uh, box in the back of my car today that had to get moved out, and somebody had to move it. So, you know, the, the back is just up and down. For those of y'all praying, keep praying. But I've been dealing with this back for over four years since I had my accident, and sometimes it's hard for me to get on my knees and stay on my knees for a long time. Kim knows about it. She's had a back surgery. If, if you've been in chronic pain for a long time, that's a difficult posture to maintain. Amen. Thank you, Michelle. But here's the thing. You still need to get on your knees for a minute. Then transfer to your belly or whatever. Listen, I do not believe that all your praying should be done in your car on your way to work. That's multitasking. That's multitasking. My mom will call me randomly from time to time. Hey, son, what are you doing? Uh, Tell her whatever I'm doing. What are you doing? Well, I was just riding down the road. I figured I'd multitask and give you a call. And I'm thinking, so what you're saying is, uh, you know, it's not really important that you talk to me right now because you got nothing better going on. You figure you add two and two together and get 20. But God does not need to be worked into your convenience of prayer. See, that makes it easy. Well, I'm going to use my ride in. Is that bad, Pastor? No, it's not bad to use your ride in to pray. That's a good use of your time. I recommend you keep your eyes open. Amen. Watch for traffic. But I believe in the life of every believer that the primary posture for prayer should be on your knees. Unless you have some type of physical complication. Listen, you get older, you got back issues, God loves you enough to understand. But if you are physically able, you need to get on your knees and pray to the Father. Get on your knees and pray to the Father. Jesus prayed on his knees. The Apostle Paul prayed on his knees. The Bible says that our faith, our religion is based on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Jesus being the chief cornerstone. We're supposed to live the way Jesus and the apostles lived. They were knee-praying folk. And I don't even want to know how much knee-praying we got going on in the building this week. But I, I would like for everybody to agree we could do more. And we need to do more. Paul said, when I think of all these things going on, I fall on my knees and I pray to the Father. Do you realize that whether you live a plugged-in life or an unplugged-in life in 2016, there's a lot going on? 
for you to think about? Now, if you're on the Internet all the time, if you're watching news all the time, if you're reading political stuff all the time, you've got more to think about than a person could humanly stand. And if you're watching all that stuff, if you're dealing with all the problems, you're looking at who's shooting who, who's getting killed, who's leaving their babies in dumpsters, who's divorcing the 13th person this time, that, that ought to make you just want to fall on your knees too. And if you never watch TV, never watch, I, I had a church, church member let me know, and I thought it was so wise. Uh, they said that they had not watched television over the course of a week specifically because they didn't want to be negatively impacted by bad information. I thought, man, that is so wise. But even if you're unplugged in that way, there's still enough to cause you to think. When I think of all this, when I think of everything that's going on, I have got to pray. And this is where we need to get to in 2016 as men and women and young people of God. When you think about the life that you have, you need to pray. If you love anybody other than you, you need to pray. If you love you, you need to pray. If you hate you, you need to pray. If you're not sure about you, you need to pray. And the way we pray is we get down on our knees and we talk to the Father. Now, I don't have time to break down the Trinity to you. The Bible teaches us that God has revealed himself to us as a triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. But when you pray, your prayer should be to the Father, empowered by the Holy Ghost in the name of Jesus. I, I hear people praying to the Holy Ghost. Now, that's not wrong. I hear people praying to Jesus. That's not wrong because the Holy Ghost is God. Jesus is God. But here's the reality. My sons know where some of the money is in my home. My sons know where some of the weapons are in my home. My sons know where most of the food is in, you got to keep some for yourself, in my home. If you have a desperate need for money or for protection and weapons, you come to my house, you can ask the son, or you can ask the Father. The Father's always going to have greater access and greater ability than, than anybody else. We, need, we are designed. Jesus said, I came to bring you to the Father. The Holy Spirit said, I came to testify of Jesus. So the Holy Ghost testifies of Jesus. Jesus testifies of the Father. We need to be praying to God the Father on our knees. Verse 15, says, he said, I, I fall on my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything, in heaven and on earth. Do you realize God is large and in charge? I never question God. I really don't. I, I, I don't. When, when Gail was sick with cancer, we didn't question God. We never said, why us? Why not us? Other people have, had, have done it. Other people have gone through difficulty. I don't question why God does what he does because I learned this early. It's his world. He makes the rules. Who created the heaven and the earth? God did. Who's in charge of the heaven and the earth? God is. Ain't no reason for you to ask me why I put the green couch in this room and the brown couch in that room when you come to my house. You don't know why I put the green couch in that room? Because it's my house. It's my couch. And that's where I want it. And nobody else gets a vote because that's my house. This is God's world. He makes the rules. And if you will learn that, you'll quit questioning God so much. And you will learn how to pray about things. There, there is something special about getting on your knees and, and, and confessing to God, you're in charge and I'm not, I need your help. 
That's why proud people don't pray that much. Proud people don't pray that much because they, they, they're, they're too proud to say, I need your help. They're too proud to admit that God is greater than they are and they need God's help. I hope that's not you. Verse 16 in our text, Paul says, I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Paul's praying for his church members that God would empower them with inner strength through his spirit. God has unlimited resources. Listen, there's nothing that you could ask God for that he's not strong enough to do. See, if you ask me for a billion dollars, you're out of gas. I don't have it, can't give it to you. God's got it. God has everything. God has unlimited resources, but the prayer is this. Don't miss the context of this prayer. That God, from his glorious unlimited resources, will empower you. Say empower. Empower you with something. What is the something? Inner strength. Inner strength. That God would empower you with inner strength. If God has to empower me with inner strength, do I have it without him? Go like this. No. If God has to empower me with inner strength, I don't have it. And you don't either. We have to get it from God. We, we need to learn to rely on the power of prayer. Paul says that God would empower you with inner strength. That word empower is so key. You need to be asking God to empower you with inner strength. Now, I don't want you to raise your hand and answer and make you look proud. And I, I don't want you to be like the rest of us and not raise our hand and admit that we don't do it. But I don't think most people are praying every day, God, please empower me. With inner strength. God, please empower me with inner strength through your spirit. This isn't a typical type of prayer. Most people pray, God, please use me. God, strengthen me by your power to be a blessing to others. This is Paul saying we need God to empower us with inner strength so that we could understand God's great love for us. Paul says that we need for God to give us this power so that we can have inner strength. I want you to understand something. You cannot make anyone understand God's love. That's why witnessing to people is so difficult sometimes. You can't make someone realize that God loves them. You can't Bible beat somebody to the point where they realize that God loves them. You can tell about the way you think God loves you, and if they see something in that, they might be inquisitive about it, but understanding... God's love is something that's granted to you. You didn't understand God's love your whole life. If you're saved, there was a moment in time where God gave you faith. The Bible says that, that you, you can't earn your faith, that it's a gift from God. God gives you the faith to believe in him, and God gives us the understanding to know things about him. Now, let's think about it this way. Some of y'all like to play matchmaker. Listen, stay out of folks' business. Okay? Some of y'all like to play matchmaker. You want to set up, you know, him and her together. Oh, but I'm good at it. Whatever. You want to play matchmaker. You can make the introduction, but you can't make them fall in love. You can pick two people that you think are closely assigned together, but if they fall in love, that wasn't something that you did for them. That's something that they chose on their own. 
I can introduce you to God, but I can't make you love him. And this is why ministry is so difficult, especially in America. Because the Bible says in the last days that people would love things other than God. And we live in a world where people love things other than God. I can't make you love God. All I can do is tell you about God. I can't, I can't match make for you. I can't make you desire to receive God's love. All I can do is make an introduction to you and, and tell you that God loves you. The Bible says he so loved, he deeply loved the world that he gave his son. He, here's the thing. I told you before, it's not hard to get people to want to be saved. It's hard to get people to admit that they're lost. That wasn't hard for me. That wasn't hard for me. Now, I wasn't one of those people that sat back saying, well, I've never killed anybody. I go to people and I ask them, are you, are you a Christian? Um, I, yeah, I think so. I've never killed anybody. Well, I didn't ask if you killed anybody. Have, have, you, been, have you ever asked God to forgive you of your sins? Well, I, I told you, I've never killed anybody. And people go to these random, I never, when somebody trying to, because the first thing in leading somebody to Christ, they got to get to the point where they realize that they're a sinner and they need Christ. They got to agree that the Bible says we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. That wasn't hard for me to understand. I wasn't one of those people like, well, I don't know if I'm in that sinner crowd. I, did, did you know you were a sinner? I hope some of y'all knew because some, some of y'all, all you had to do was, you know, check the resume. But I was easily convinced that I needed God. And that's why it's always been so overwhelming to me that he loved me. Because I knew I was a sinner that didn't deserve his love. See, if you understand that God didn't have to save you. If you understand God didn't have to send his son for you, but he did it for you anyhow. And you were sinning. The Bible says that God showed his love toward us while we were still sinning. Christ died for us. We're not earning our way to heaven. God loved us before we ever loved him. God, love is something that the church needs to understand. But you can't understand it just by me preaching it into you. I can't preach it into you. But we can pray it into ourselves. And we can pray it into people we care about by asking God to empower us on the inside with this knowledge. I can make an introduction to you about God and nothing happens on the inside of you until Paul, as Paul said, the Holy Spirit gives you the strength to know the love of Christ that surpasses all knowledge. So many people spend time, all of us spend time every day probably, hopefully, fixing up our outside. We spend time fixing up our outside. We spend time on hair. We spend time on clothing. We spend time on cleaning. We focus on getting our outside presentable. But how much time do you spend focusing on the inside to get the inside presentable? If we really believe the inside is the most important part of us, if we really believe that this outer is just a shell of our in eternal being that will live forever, we need to learn how to fix things up on the inner man. How much time do you spend on your inner man? How much time do you spend praying for your soul? How much time do you spend asking God to open your eyes so that you can see and know the things that he would have you to know? Listen to what he said in verse 17. After he's praying that God empowers his church members with inner strength through God's spirit, he says that or so Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust him. Then, when is then? Say after. Then is always after. After 
you've prayed and God's empowered you by his spirit on the inside, strengthening you on the inside, Christ is going to make his home in your heart as you trust him. Some of y'all have already trusted God, but you don't really feel the presence of Christ on the inside. You need to be praying that God would empower you on the inside so that your inner man can begin to grow, so that you can have this awareness that Christ has made his home inside of you. And also, the scripture goes on to say, and your roots will grow down deep into God's love and keep you strong. See, some people just aren't really well-rooted. Some people come in church and they make professions. I thank God for Pastor Scott. I thank God for this church. Best thing that ever happened to me three months later out in the wind. Cussing me, God, this church, and everything that's holy. Why? They didn't really have no roots. They just had a lot of mouth game. They, they didn't really understand the love of God. They saw something they thought they could connect to. They didn't really have roots that, grow, that were, had grown down into God's love to keep them strong. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. We are and always have been. This is no prophetic revelation about what's coming in the coming months. We've always been in tumultuous times as a country and a world. We've always been facing difficulties ahead. And there are difficult days to come for the body of Christ. And you need to be well-rooted. See, a mushroom has no roots. It'll kick over just as easy as nothing. An oak tree can withstand a hurricane because it's got deep roots. You need to have deep roots. Because when the storms of life blow on you, you need to be able to stand. When the storms of life blow on your relationships, your relationships need to be able to stand. And God wants to keep you strong. Verse 18 says, and this, that's not all, there's more. You may have the power to understand, comma. You may have the power to understand. It didn't say that you may understand. It says you may have the power to understand. So it's not just about your ability to understand. We're right back to this empowerment of God. God has to give us power to understand because these things are not naturally received. The Bible says that the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God because they're spiritually discerned and he cannot know them. As Christians, we need God to give us power to understand. You need to be praying, God, give me power to understand what I need to know. Because what that says, that's an open admission. I don't have it all together and I need bigger help than I can give myself. And when you start praying in that type of humility, because the Bible said God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. He gives you power to understand as all God's people. Listen, it doesn't say as all God's people do. It doesn't say as all God's people have. It says as all God's people should. All God's people should implies to me that all God's people don't. Or he would have said that all God's people do. He says that he wants to give us power to understand as God's people should. Now, I don't know if you're in the understanding crowd. Or in the crowd that should understand this. I don't know if you're in the crowd that's got this handled. Or in the crowd that needs God to empower you to get it handled. But we should understand how wide and how long and how high and how deep his love is. Now, what do we need? A ruler for that? Yardstick? Tape measure? Chalk line? Plumb line? Uh, what do we need for that? We, we need a builder square. How, how do we measure this height? We, we get a, a helicopter and a parachute. 
Uh, how do we measure this, this length? How do we measure this depth? We go down, we, we get some sonar, we get some radar. How do we measure this? Listen, don't get caught up in the height, the, the length, the depth, and the breadth of it. It's just saying that it's a lot, and it's big. It's, it's bigger all the way around, taller, wider, deeper, higher. It's so huge that we need God to give us power to understand it. I'm going to come hold that Bible for you. If you drop it one more time, I'm going to come hold it for you. Just, just set it down on the chair for me because you got the whole church staring at that fifth time. Thank you. It's big and it's huge and it's bigger than we can grasp on our own. It's so big that unless God gives you supernatural Holy Ghost power, you're not going to grasp it. So here's what you got to ask yourself. Am I really operating in God's supernatural Holy Ghost power? Or am I just trying to do all this on my own? Because that is the determining factor of how long you'll stay close to Christ. That's the determining factor of how much you will enjoy your relationship with Christ. That's the determining factor of whether or not you're going to be filled with joy in serving God or grow bitter and cold and upset with God. Is it something that you're figuring out on your own or is this something God is empowering you supernaturally to do? Are you a walking miracle? Are you a walking expression of God's empowerment? Are you a walking vessel of Christ living in your heart, moving through the earth, his hands and feet? Do you have the power given to you from God to understand how amazing his love is? Eh, let me say this. Eh, that means no, you don't. Yeah, I guess so. That means you don't. If you're not blown away, and operating in the highest level of praise. And on your knees in deep prayer. Then you really don't understand how much he loves you. Because if you understood how much he loves you. You would be on servitude 24-7. You would be on praise 24-7. If the president was coming to your house. Today. At 1 o'clock. You would have already gotten up and left here. To be going home and getting you, you'd have stayed up all night long. Listen, when family's coming in for Thanksgiving dinner, you just throw something in the pot 10 minutes before they get there. Cook for days ahead of time. Preparation ahead of time. Why? Because you understand somebody important is coming, and you want to make sure that they know that you honor and respect them. If we had any clue how much God really loved us and the fact that God is on the inside of us, we would change the way we live. If we understood that he's here all the time and he is cheering for us, he is on our side, he, he's got our back. If we understood that God is for us and not against us, then we would be able to walk with this divine awareness that says it is going to be okay. I got God on my side and, and, and I, can't, I can't lose with what I use. God wants to give us the power, but listen, you won't get it on your own. And you won't get it from coming to church. The only way you will get it is by falling on your knees and asking God to miraculously give you power on the inside. You won't get it from Bible study. You won't get it from somebody laying their hands on you. You will not get it from listening to the radio, television. You won't get it from sitting in church listening to preaching until you fall on your knees and ask God by his spirit to do a miracle on the inside of you. You're not even going to be able to grasp these things. 
And most people only have this very surface knowledge of God. They only have this very surface knowledge of the power of God. For most people, God is not supernatural at all. Everything about their relationship to God is understandable. There's no miracle in their life. Why? Because they're not living in this depth of understanding. They're not empowered by God to know how awesome he really is. Verse 19 goes on and Paul says, I want you to experience the love of Christ, comma, to experience the love of Christ. If I asked everybody in the room today, tell me when you got saved. I start me July 15th, 1981. We go around the room. Hopefully you tell me the year something vents about it around when you got saved. But if I said now, Give me your most recent experience with Christ. Give me your most recent overpowering, joyous. Just tell me about the last time you and God did something cool. Tell me about the last time that God just overflowed you with joy. And just give me. See, people are not experiencing the love. People have this head knowledge. People have this intellectual understanding that, yes, there must be a God because I believe that I was taught that. But where's the experience Where's the supernatural experience? Where's the life-changing experience? God wants you to experience something that is the love of Christ. Why do you have to experience it? Because it's too great to fully understand. There's a church in South Carolina, Pastor Ron Carpenter's church in South Carolina. Uh, his, his motto, they've got it on buses, they've got it on everything. Um, oh, man, I knew I, I forget it for sure. It says... Um, can't be explained, must be experienced. Can't be explained. They're talking about their church. Redemption World Outreach Center can't be explained. Come to Redemption Outreach. Can't be explained, must be experienced. Well, I guess. But I do know this. When it comes to the supernatural love of God, that's not something you can get on an intellectual level. That, 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 that's not something that, that can be fully understood. You can't tell me even out of your mouth how awesome God is. This is something that has to be experienced. And the reality is most people sitting in church don't really have an experience with God. They have an experience with an aisle they walked, a prayer they prayed, a preacher's hand they shook, some water they got dunked in. But when it comes to a real experience with the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ living in their heart, showing love, to, in, in such a way that they can't even explain it out of their mouth, but they just know that they're experiencing this thing on a real first-hand basis, there's the difference between boring church and 21st century Christianity. There is the difference. The Bible says then, when, after, after what? After you get all this stuff, after you've been empowered by God to understand how, how much he loves you, after you've been empowered to experience the love of Christ, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. I put it at less than 1%. I, I'm, a, I'm a statistics man. Um, God has gifted me to teach. Anybody who has the spiritual gift of teaching loves charts, graphs, statistics, study, research, or stat monger. I put it at less than 1%. The number of born-again, truly saved people. I ain't talking about the fakers in church. I'm talking about truly born-again people who are going to go to heaven. I put it at less than 1% of people 
who are complete with the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Struggling, not really convinced, insecure, holding on. That is not what God wants for us. Jesus said, I came that you could have an abundant life. A life filled with abundance. But what we see people doing is struggling, barely holding on. We see people trying to make it. I want you to know the life that God has for you is a supernatural, empowering life that fills you with an awareness of his presence, that gives you such completeness and power and life that nobody could understand about you. They could only witness it. I remember what Julie said one time. Um, and I've watched the transformation in Julie's life from being just a run-of-the-mill Christian who didn't really pray that much to somebody who just loves to pray now and loves the love of God and is experiencing God in her life. And she, she told me this, and it was, it was very complimentary to me, and I was thankful for it. She said, when I started coming to Abundant Life, I saw something in you that I wanted to have for me, and that's what started me on my journey. You can't browbeat somebody into Jesus you got to live a successful Christian life in front of them. They need to see something supernatural in you. They need to see divine, uh, the, God's divine presence in you. They need to see you respond differently than other people respond. They need to see something in you that must be God because no human being could do that on their own. They need to see a completeness. There needs to be a fullness of life. There needs to be a power that comes from God on the inside of us. Or what are we asking people to come to? Boring religion? That's not going to change anybody. And that's why nobody wants to come to church hardly anymore. When it comes to receiving God's love, let me ask you this and we get out of here. Don't answer out loud. But if you had to think about it and give a real answer, do you really believe that God loves you as much as he loves the good people? Do you really believe that God is just supernaturally crazy about you and over, head over heels in love with you? Or do you think that's for other people? Do you really believe that God is divinely in love with you? Are you 100% sure? Not that he so loved the world. We know John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. We got that. We're sure of that. But are you sure that God so loves you? Most people aren't. Most Christians aren't. They hope he does. But the Bible says these things God wrote to us so that we could know that we have eternal life. So we could know the love that God has for us. Too many people not experiencing this supernatural power. Don't answer out loud, but think about this. How much you think God loves Jesus? A lot or a little? Let's answer this out loud. You think God loves Jesus a lot or a little? A lot. God loves Jesus completely. Perfectly. Listen to what Jesus said in John 15, 9. Just as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. As much as God loves Jesus, that's how much Jesus loves you. See, it's easy to doubt somebody loves you because you know you. It's easy to doubt that somebody could be crazy about you because you know you, and the devil can play with your insecurities that way. But the promise of Jesus is... I love you as much as God loves me. Now, listen, Jesus knew how much God loved him. And if you can't trust right now how much Jesus loves you, 
You need to trust that he's telling the truth when he says he loves you as much as God loves him. If you could get this in your heart. Some of y'all looking at me like I'm not saying anything. If you could get this in your heart, it would change all of your life. It would change the way you deal with God. It would change the way you read the Bible. It would change what you do in, in every facet of your life. And life would take on joy, unspeakable, and full of glory. Something has to happen through the power of the Holy Spirit in order for us to understand this kind of love. We're not going to get it intellectually. That's the problem. We come to church. We take our notes. We listen. We learn facts. We assimilate information. But unless something supernatural happens, we're not going to get this. Because this can only be from God through the empowerment of his Holy Spirit. That's why Paul says, I pray that God through his Spirit would empower you and grant you the ability to understand these things. We've got to start praying that God would give us the ability to understand these things and stop acting like we know everything about Christianity. God's got to give us power on the inside. We need to understand we can't make our children fall in love with Jesus. We can't make our family members believe in God. We can't make our, 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 our loved ones fall in love with God either. Now, I'm going to tell you the truth. I've read the Bible through hundreds of times. I've been reading this book every day my whole adult life. I've read this passage thousands of times. There are prayers in the Bible that I pray word for word, but this is not one of them. And I need to make that change in my life. And the Bible says that when you say something out of your mouth, you become accountable for it. The King James says you're snared by the words of your mouth. You say something out loud, God expects you to hold to it. So I am going to begin to pray this prayer that I've neglected in my own life that God would empower me and strengthen me so I can understand his love for me. You want what others have? You got to do what they did to get it. What did Paul do? Paul got down on his knees and said, God, please empower me to understand the great love you have for me. Do you pray that? When's the last time you said those exact words to God? God, please empower me by your spirit to allow me to understand your great love for me. We don't, we don't pray that. We're busy praying for other stuff, trying to sound holy. Let's pray what the Bible tells us to pray. Let's pray what Paul prayed. Paul said, if you follow me, you're following Christ. Let's pray what God inspired Paul to tell us. To pray. When you are solid in God's love, you won't be walking around saying stuff like, I think he loves me. I hope he loves me. I hope I'm getting this right. I'm trying my best. None of those things are what God wants for us. He doesn't want us to try to understand him. He wants to give us supernatural power so that we will understand him. There's power in prayer. And we have to trust that. There's power in prayer. And we have to trust that. Do you pray? Most don't. Most don't. Most preachers pray less than three minutes a day. That's the national average. Preachers. Do you believe that God hears your prayer? He said, let your request be made known unto me. Here's the request I'm going to start praying. God, empower me to understand your love for me. Convince me, God, supernaturally.
that I'm important to you. Grow me deep in your love. Let me experience you past my head and in my heart. Let me have an experience with you and not just a head knowledge of you. Let me see things that I haven't seen. Let me feel things that I haven't felt. Let me know things that I don't know that only you can show me. Empower me, God. Empower me, God, to really understand your love for me. Because when you know somebody loves you, other stuff becomes less relevant. When you know that there's somebody important that cares so much for you, life takes on a different slant. There's power in prayer. We need to trust that. There's power in the Holy Spirit. We need to trust that. We need to ask God's Spirit to show us how much the Father loves us. Empower us. Give us supernatural Holy Ghost power to understand beyond our brain function and to feel it on the inside. Because here's the reality. Some of you has been too long and some of you has been never that you were overwhelmed with the revelation of the touch of a holy God. I've talked to people about crawling up in the Father's lap and letting Him wrap His arms around you to where you feel His love. And I've had people say, Pastor, I don't even know what that would look like. You need to ask God, God, supernaturally empower me to experience these things. See, this is what causes him writers to, to write while on others. You're, you're, you're calling, don't pass me by. This is what causes him writers to write things like, it's me, it's me, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Not my brother or my sister, but it's me, oh Lord. This is where we need to get to. We need to get to a I need God's help prayer i need supernatural help prayer we need to get to an admission that says i can't do it for me i need god to do something supernatural in me we need to get to an admission that the church and the pastor don't have the answer for the community but god can empower us supernaturally to do something to allow him to fix the community it's beyond us, and we're incapable on our own. But God says we can ask, and we'll receive. I'm going to be praying that God would strengthen my inner man to really allow me to understand how deep his love for me is. See, I could tell you, and see, if I said, we're going, to have a, we're going to have altar ministry right now, and everybody that really wants God to reveal his deep love to them, I want us to come together and stand in the People would come emotionally, and they'd stand up here, and they I just want the man of God to pray for me that I understand God's love. If you want what others have, you've got to do what they did to get it. Paul didn't say, I go to my pastor and I ask him to pray for me that God would empower me to understand his great love. He said, I fall on my knees. I fall on my knees and I pray that God would grant me the power 
to understand how deep his love is for me. So here's what we're going to do tonight at 6 o'clock. We're going to come back and we're going to have our time of worship like we've been having over the last couple of weeks. Listen, people aren't showing up. There's tumbleweed blowing through here on Sunday night. People, people staying home because the pastor's not preaching. Listen, my preaching can't do for you what God, God showing up in your life can do for you. God do more for you in a second than I could do for you in a lifetime. So tonight we're going to come in here and we're going to fall on our knees. And we're going to ask God to grant us the power to know his love in a real way. Grant us the power to be complete in him. Grant us the power to live this life in such a way that it cannot be explained. But it has to be experienced. I want you to experience something in Christ. I want you to experience something supernatural in Christ. See, this is, this is why so many people won't believe our testimony because there's nothing supernatural about it. It's not about I went to church and, and I stopped cussing as much. I went to church and I stopped drinking and I stopped smoking. You can get that out of any help group. I fell in love with God and he showed me a life I never knew. That's the game changer. The only way to get it is to fall on your knees. And ask God to give it to you supernaturally. You got friends, you got family, you got loved ones. You want to see them, know God. You need to fall on. Paul fell on his knees and said, I fall on my knees and I pray that God would grant you the supernatural ability to understand his love. Stop nagging your family and friends about drinking and smoking and not coming to church. And fall on your knees and ask God to grant them the supernatural ability to understand his love for them. Then you won't have to drag anybody to church. Then they'll come with or without you. And I've seen that. I've seen wives pray for husbands to fall in love with Jesus so they didn't have to beg them to come to church. Husband come to church, fall in love with Jesus. Wife was just religious and she fall out. See, when you fall in love with Jesus, nobody can stop you. And the best way to fall in love with Jesus is to understand how much he loves you first. And then you'll understand when preachers say stuff like, who wouldn't serve a God like our God? Who wouldn't love a God like this? You got to be able to feel that on the inside. Because too many people are going to miss heaven by 18 inches. Everybody in this room knows something about God in their head. But if you're not experiencing God in your heart, you don't have real Bible salvation. And heaven would not be your eternal resting place. And if you're not experiencing God on a moment-by-moment basis as a Christian, you need to do what Paul did, what we're going to do here tonight at 6 o'clock. You need to fall on your knees and ask God to empower you. We're going to have an empowerment service tonight at 6 o'clock. And in the presence of corporate praise and worship, because God says he inhabits the praise of his people, he said, when we gather in his name, he shows up. We're going to have an empowerment service tonight. And we're going to get on our knees. And we're going to ask God to empower us to understand how deep his love is. And how awesome his love is. And to complete us. And to give us this power in this life that the Bible talks about. We're going to pray for something supernatural to happen. Because the only chance that I have, the only chance that you have of being who God wants you to be, is if God grants you through the riches of his glory. The ability 
to know his deep love for you and gives you supernatural Holy Ghost power. That's what's going to change us. That's what's going to change the world. Pray with me. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who is our example. God, I pray in Jesus' name, Lord, that you would empower us to understand the depth of your love for us. God, that you would empower us to love you more, that you would give us passion and purpose, God. Lord, that you would give us a desire to be in your house all the days of our life, God, that we would be able to say, even as the psalmist said, I was glad when they said, let us go into the house of the Lord. As the rest of the world turns against church, God, give us a love for corporate gathering together in your name, God. I pray, Lord, that you would increase our love for you. Increase our passion for you. God, I pray that you would increase our love for each other, Lord. God, this world needs you, and we need to know how deep your love is for us, Father. So I pray in Jesus' name, God, that you would grant us, by your Spirit, the awareness of your love. God, I pray that you would bless this time that we have now. Bless this day for your purpose. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We truly appreciate the opportunity to pour into your lives each week. For more information or to donate to Abundant Life's ministry, please check out our website at www.alcfnow.org.